Hello, everyone. Welcome to Setter Talk. I am your host, Kyle Warren. This podcast is sponsored by Embark Vet and Dr. Tim's Pet Food. Embark Vet is a DNA testing company focused on helping breeders and purebred dog enthusiasts understand and improve the genetic health of their dogs. Embark's DNA test provides a comprehensive assessment of your dog's genetic health, genetic diversity, and physical traits. Embark's DNA testing process was created in partnership with Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, and test results are accepted by OFA and other leading canine health organizations. To learn more, visit EmbarkVet.com forward slash breeders. And by Dr. Tim's Pet Food, created by veterinarian and accomplished musher Dr. Tim Hunt. Dog food formulas promoting stamina, endurance, and performance through proper nutrition. Dr. Tim's has been fueling champions for many years in the Iditarod, the field trial circuit, and hardworking hunting dogs all across North America. To learn more about the trusted source of nutrition for the canine athlete, visit drtims.com. Thanks for tuning in the Setter Talk today. Our guest is Jason Dowd. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, wait. hey, Kyle, how's it going? It's going good. Um, so, uh, why don't you uh, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, I've been wanting to chat with you for a few years now, so I'm, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Um, well, uh, I'm obviously a, a center man. Um, I've been hunting uh, grouse and woodcock in Michigan for. Uh, the better part of my life, I uh, started hunting them in the 80s with my grandpa, um, 80s and 90s, and, uh, you know, I've had centers my whole life. Um, I'm uh, sorry about that. I'm also guided um, for the past five years uh, over my centers and led me on a lot of great adventures. Yeah. Cool. Um, so your, your family, they've always, uh, you've always had setters, never, never had other, other, uh, hunting dogs growing up or. Um, the, the first, the first, the first dog I ever hunted over was a Brittany that my grandpa had. And, uh, it was, a, it was a, a big male named Luke. And I remember that was the, the first time I ever heard the F word was when I was hunting with my grandpa and, and that Brittany <laughs> Luke. Um, th- then after that, he, uh, he he got short hairs and he bred short hairs for a while, and um, some of those are really good bird dogs. Um, but um, I'm not really sure what got us going in the direction of setters. But once we once we got setters, we never never really went back to any of the other breeds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um uh the setters that you that you've had um I, I mean I certainly follow you as many do on social media um. Tell us a little about the the lines of setters that uh, you fancied over the years, and and what you've uh, found to to work for you. Um, well, the first setter that I ever got was um, I was in I was in high school. So I think it was in, would have been in nineteen ninety five. Um, my parents got me one of the the Burnt Creek setters from Jim Marty out in North Dakota, and um, they were real popular at the time. And it was a it was a good dog. Um, it's probably a little bit too much dog for me at the time being my first bird dog and uh not really training anything or anything like that um, by myself but um we made the best of it and um i really like that dog um then after that um i switched to the 
I guess uh, a lot of people call them the, the Michigan DNR or Wixall type centers. They're uh, mm-hmm. like a, a dual type center. They're they're you know great for you know compa- a great companion gun dog, and they also have a lot of athleticism and stuff in the field. Um, and that's still kind of the dog I use to this day. Um, I still I still have a couple of those DNR dogs, and uh, I have a couple of um, Ryman type dogs now as well. That um, they're they're kind of the same type of a dog. They're bred to be both both athletic and uh, very minimal in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how many setters do you have these days? I currently have four. Yeah. Um. When uh when you're out in the field with them, uh, I mean, you know, there's always the, you know, a hunter and their dog, you know, in the woods. Uh, no better feeling, but uh. Do you, uh, uh, how do you like to hunt? Do you brace your dogs up a bit or, um, what's your, uh, what's your preferred mode if you're flying solo in the woods? You know, when I, when I only had one dog for the, for the most, most of my hunting career, you know, I, I always dreamed of hunting over a brace of setters. So when I got to, I, that was the first thing I did. And then I, I like it. Um. And if you have two dogs that really work well together, it can be great. But I think if I if I wanted if I want to get the most birds and I'm hunting by myself, I think that uh, it's best to do it with one dog that you're really keyed into and you just really pay attention to that dog. Um, yeah. But it, also, it's a lot of fun. To, it is a lot of fun to hunt behind a brace of dogs that work well together. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's trade offs for sure. I mean, I have I have a couple uh, powerhouse combinations uh but it, it does really take a uh a great um a great team uh to 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 work those grouse well you know having multiple dogs i'm sure you know all all too well you know in the grouse woods where they often just can't see each other you know for mm-hmm. extended periods of time you got one dog locked down and the other dog is working its way around you know and you know rustling the leaves and the the, the brush and everything like that and sometimes that uh that uh causes to flush before the other dog can mark mark the dog that's on point and um you know then some of them they'll be on top of each other so it does take a, a special brace and uh in that kind of cover to to be highly effective so i certainly mm-hmm. hear you on that um so you're you're down in lower michigan and uh um i myself haven't really hunted down there and i mean generally we we all know um uh, what good grouse habitat is, but tell us, uh, tell us about some of your, uh, um, primary food sources and, and stuff like that, that, that you see in, uh, in your neck of the woods for, for grouse down that way. Uh, well, that's a really, really good question. Um, my, my favorite food source to hunt is, is thorn apple when you, you know, in a, in a good mm-hmm. year, there's, to me, there's nothing like, you know, in in the you know a nice sunny morning or evening in the good thorn apple stand or hawthorn stand, um, mm-hmm. when the birds are in there, you know, in the later on in in the fall, but um, you know, I I really enjoy the the hawthorn or thorn apple, um, uh, dogwood berries, is, you know, I hunt a lot of dogwood um, edges and stuff like that, um, really stuff like yeah. that, you know, at I try to I try to hunt a lot of edges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
do you guys have down that way um they have in the north and over in wisconsin as well some uh uh orange horse gentian berries you know they're like the size of the thorn apple they're on a perennial plant there's like six to eight berries that go around the stem um yeah usually the birds hit them a little later in the season do you have them down that way yeah we have some of those um yeah it's and the big difference between the cover down here and the cover up there is uh really down here everything is uh it's a lot, there's a lot more pocket covers the covers aren't as vast mm-hmm. so you're in and you're yeah. out you know you go in and you hunt you know you you spend an hour hour and a half on the ground and then you you know pack up and you move on to the next spot up there what I've noticed is you know you can you can spend a lot more time in one area um Oh yeah, <laughs> all day. A, a, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sounds um, kind of uh, sounds kind of like the the northeast. You know, our pocket covers. Yeah, uh, back here in the east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's cool. it, yeah, it's not quite not quite like that. But everything it's it's a lot more cut and dried. You know, down here. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. especially now with Onyx maps and all that stuff, you can you can see right where to mm-hmm. go, and it's it's almost like a a lot of recovers down here, almost like grouse shopping malls. I, I guess you can call them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really, really cut and dry. Uh, you don't, you know, once you get into them, and you start working around, and you can find the the sweet spots and and stuff sure. like that. Uh, um, and uh, so, uh, what other places have you hunted with the setters besides, uh, uh, you know? we'll say the state of Michigan have, I think he recently had traveled, uh, further West, right? Um, yeah. Um, the, uh, the last few years I've been making a trip out to Minnesota every year, Wisconsin. Um, I've also been going out to Montana, um, hunting sharp tails and, and huns with, uh, with the centers. Uh, I've been out to Western Oklahoma. Um, kind of, you know, hunting grouse in woodcock in michigan my whole life it's kind of cool getting out and seeing some other things but i think mm-hmm. still i'm always happy to come back to michigan and, and hunting grouse yeah yeah the um uh so with with your particular setters you know and uh i i know of the line and i've, I've hunted over some and you know they're they're a close working dog um what's uh how do they uh how do they adapt to your the more open country? Um, uh, you know, their their range uh, uh, stretch out a little bit more um, when they get to that open yeah. land. Yeah, yeah, it really. Um, yeah. The the cover really dictates the way that they move. Um, in the grouse woods, my dogs mostly they're probably around an eighty to one hundred yard dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, out on the prairie, if it's just wide open grassland, I've had. You know, a couple of my dogs, you know, just get out to 300 yards. Um, but they're not, they're not really in their element when they're doing that. Uh, when, you know, when my dogs are the most effective out west is walking, you know, I'll be hunting along with my friends and they got pointers or, or field bred setters and, you know, they're tearing it up out there. And those are the ones, if they're bracing my dogs, they're, those are the dogs that are usually finding the birds. And then, you know, we'll turn around and we'll come along, uh, a trail or something like that and there's a lot of uh you know we come come to a spot where there's some dense vegetation and the birds are in that feeding then 
that's when my dogs seem to be seem to take over and, and do the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar places. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh tell us a little bit about your artwork. You know, you 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 have a, a few different uh types of things that you do and uh some of us are familiar with it, but uh give us a little a little background on that. Um well I've always kind of draw you know, I've been in the outdoors my whole life and I've been in artwork my whole life, so kinda always been finding myself drawing different different elements of the outdoors. Uh, I used to draw a lot of uh you know fish and stuff like that when I was a kid and my grandpa would always eat pheasant hunt a lot and deer hunt a lot and I was always drawing pheasants and and deer and I I still have a bunch of crayon drawings I did when I was five and six, seven years old. <laughs> and um I you know, I kept on kept with art all through school and then uh I was actually a tattoo artist for, for ten years. And then after my daughter was born I you know, and social media kinda took off, I kinda noticed that I had an opportunity with that where I could um kinda capitalize on you know, the social media thing and sell some of my artwork online and kind of get my name out there a little bit. And that's kind of snowballed from there. I was able to, you know, I quit tattooing altogether and just focused on doing the, uh, you know, focusing on birds, uh, mostly grouse, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And just, uh, you know, I've been, been very fortunate to have some of my stuff in magazines and t-shirts and stuff. And, uh, kind of uh, had a snowball effect. Yeah, that's great. Do you, um, uh, I can't recall, do, do you do wood burning too? Did I see you no, do some? I, I, I draw, I do, most of my work is um, just a pen and ink drawn on, on uh, I like I like to draw on walnut. Uh, so a lot mm -hmm. of people think it's wood burning, but it's okay. actually gotcha. drawn on there. Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I tried wood burning, um, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> kudos to um, whoever can do a good job with that but it's not me <laughs> um so uh you know uh when whenever you have a pack of setters like you do um i can certainly speak from experience it, it becomes a family <laughs> affair um and uh i i know uh uh your girls are are uh into the dogs and uh, starting to starting to take uh, you, you do your family hunts uh, from time to time. Mm -hmm. I I would take it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I try every year when I get done guiding. The, the first thing we do is we'll go up, and my daughter and my wife and I'll take a walk. We'll just I'll you know I don't make them go in the woods or anything. We just walk down the trails and let, let the dogs work yep. and uh, see what we can do without any pressure or anything. And yeah, my daughter really really seems to like it and. She tries to do a little bit of training and stuff with me in the yard at home, and uh, I don't know how well it's going, but she enjoys herself. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the most important thing. My my oldest daughter is uh, she'll just be three in another week, so uh, I, I'm a little bit behind you there, but uh, looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, so in terms of uh, you know, your, your process with your setters, you know, so, um, 
you know, you, you have the four present ones now and you've had others in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how how you like to raise raise your dog with with birds in the home. Uh, you know, what what what's your process if we kind of do uh, the Jay Dowd, you know, roadmap uh, to to your first first season kind of thing? Well, what I, what I really do is, you know, I think, and I think, you know, you were probably the same way that I just really think that, that bird, bird contacts make the dog. And mm -hmm. basically what I do is, um, you know, I've got, you know, I've read a lot of different books and stuff on training and I kind of take a little bit or take what works for me out of each, each book or each person's method. Um, and then. I basically, you know, yard break my dogs and stuff at home. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, the first season, I kind of just try to get as many bird contacts as possible with the dogs, you know, in the in the grouse woods, in as many grouse contacts as I can with the dogs. I like to run them on spring woodcock in the spring. Um, and I also like to run my younger dogs in a brace the first season with one of my older dogs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just kind of evaluate each dog, you know, each dog learns, picks up th things differently and at their own pace and uh, just kind of set my ex expectations as I see fit with each, with each dog I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, uh, you mentioned, um, you know, running on spring woodcock. Have, have you ever, uh, uh, and concerning you got the, you know, the, the DNR line there. Have you ever, uh, have you ever um, participated in woodcock banding? I have not done it. I thought about doing it, but I just you know, I just haven't I haven't done it. I think it's really cool and uh, might be something I'd like to do one day when I have maybe a little bit uh, more time, or maybe when my daughter gets a little bit older, wants to help me out doing it. Um, I think it'd be be cool to get into, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, I certainly see your uh, uh, your dogs with some birds in their mouths, so I take it there. They uh they do a decent job retrieving. Uh, only when I take a picture. Um, they're not they're, they're <laughs> they like not the good retrievers. Yeah. Yeah. Um. They they all they you know they all find they find dead birds. Um. Uh -huh. But they, you know, some 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 of my dogs will retrieve like an entire season. Then the next season mm -hmm. they they're very intermittent. I've never they never you know. They're not real solid retrievers, but they will retrieve. I have one one of my yeah. dogs just loves water retrieves. Like she'd be a great duck dog. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, well, as long as they don't leave the bird behind, right? You know, so whether no, they're they pointing the dead or bringing always, it back. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they point them dead all the time, but they they bring it back to me about half the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. And also, it seems that if they if they, if I'm hunting with another dog, they definitely will, you know want to have more of an urge to bring it back to me than. If I was, they were by themselves. Yeah, a little, uh, little competitiveness can go a long way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have, um, uh, what's your spread on, um, uh, gender with your dogs? All females, mixed bag. What do you have? I yeah, I keep all my, um, all my, my dogs in the house with me, so it's easier at this point for me just to have all female dogs. I have two of them that are intact, and my, my two oldest are spayed, but. Um, mm -hmm. it's just easier for me to have all yeah. females and 
the only the only male in the house full of girls. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I I almost know that feeling. I got a couple <laughs> couple uh couple boys around, but uh um for the most part, uh I'm uh I'm uh, I'm strongly outnumbered. Um, uh that's cool. Uh, so you know I being grouse and woodcock hunters, you know we obviously come across both species. Um, what's uh what is your relationship with uh woodcock? Do you do you pursue them? You know uh you know specifically target them as as well as the grouse, or um you usually stick with uh usually stick with the uh, uh the grouse. For me, I I'm a grouse guy. I, I love the woodcock. You know, filling in the voids and stuff. But I you, you generally don't find me in a bunch of aspen whips or anything like that unless I got to get through it to the other side. <laughs> um, right. What's your what's your you know, um, you know, focus when, when, uh, you're kind of mapping out your weekend or after work and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm like you, I'm always focused on grouse. Um, I only, nowadays I only, a lot of the cover, uh, I hunt, uh, you know, you're going to, you're, well, I think most people hunt grouse, you're, you're going to run into some woodcock, like you said. Sure. Um, I yeah. used to, I used to target them a lot more when I was, I don't know. But you call it really a phase, but when I was, I really wanted to, I really needed to have a full game back when I got done hunting at the end of the day. <laughs> I, I always made it a point to, you know, run after some woodcock at, at some point during the day. Um, but now I, I don't kill, I, I only kill a few woodcock a year anymore. Um, yeah. And those are usually just over yeah. one of my younger dogs. Sure. I still, yeah. I still, yeah. Like younger dogs, bird, younger but... dogs are just a really bad day shooting on grouse, right? <laughs> yeah. They, that's, well, that's... <laughs> I've had it work the opposite way. I felt like I was going to take my revenge out on some woodcock, only to find that I, I couldn't hit those either. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I think the woodcock have their place, and I think they're a great bird. And, uh, you know, even though I don't chase them as much as I used to, I think that they, they, you know, they got their place in the uplands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, with your grouse down, down your way, uh, you have a, you have a mixed bag of, uh, um, uh, fan colors down there. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, man, it seemed, it seemed like when I first started hunting with my grandpa, there was more, a lot more red faced birds. And then for a while I didn't hardly see any red faced birds. And now I'm starting to see the last few years, I've been starting to see a few more red faced birds um i know I, I see a lot more when i hunt you know over my hunt you know in minnesota or wisconsin than i do down here but it's just mm -hmm. you know i'd probably say for every five or six great gray or intermediate face birds i get one red face bird maybe maybe less than that maybe one out of every 10 is a red face bird but yeah 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 it's interesting uh you know, in the, in the Western UP depends on, uh, you know, how far North you go, um, as mm -hmm. to what, what you get, you know, you get up, uh, kind of the Northern half of, of the Western UP and you'll get it to mostly nearly all gray phase and, uh, you know, down, you know, bottom Southern Western half and into Wisconsin, you, you know, you pretty much get all the colors and, uh, you know, uh, a, a near equal, uh, uh, ratio. Um, at least that's been my experience, but, um, it's always fascinating around the country, how it, how it 
varies. And then here in New York, you know, we got a brown phase coming out of our ears. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's really yeah. a weird thing. I remember one time I shot a double once on uh, young grouse early in the season, and one of them was gray phase, and one of them was well, it was really like a rusty brown colored bird. And then a couple years ago, I was hunting with my buddy Frank, and he shot a grouse that actually had both colors in its tail. I uh, think yeah. I posted a picture of it on on, on the internet, but yeah. it had 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 some stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're uh, uh, never, never a dull moment with that species. That that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so uh, with your setters, uh, uh, what size do those deers usually run? Um, most of my dogs are right around the forty-five to fifty-pound range. Uh huh. I got one that's a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger than that, but she and when she's in good shape, she should be right around. Right around forty-eight to fifty pounds. Yeah, yeah. When you're um when you're running the dogs, um, you know, based between pocket covers and just how you allocate your time for planned hunts and stuff. What um uh, uh I mean, I have a lot of dogs, so for me, I'm often running uh, you know, one to two hour hunts. Sometimes, if it's an area that is uh, a bit bigger, you know, I might do a three hour hunt. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, when you're going out with your dogs, um, how do you kind of strategically, you know, look at your day in terms of how you plan on, uh, uh, running them time-wise or maybe just more so how it ends up being, uh, when you're, uh, looking at your, your day of a hunt? Well, it really depends on, you know, what cover I'm hunting, if I know the cover well or not. Um, if, you know, if I'm going into, uh, you know, like a a hawthorn thicket um where i I know you know there's gonna be birds there and it's like a small intimate cover i'll i'll run one of my older dogs um and uh you know it's had quite a bit of experience on on grouse but it might you know might be a little bit slower so i'm closer with the dog um, but if i'm you know going to a spot where i don't really know it as well i'm still kind of trying to figure it out I'll run one of my dogs that maybe runs a little bit bigger um, and can cover a little bit more area, kind of help me save some time. Um, Or, you know, if I'm running just a a general area where, you know, grouse can be spread out a little bit more, I'll run a dog that, or maybe I'll run a brace Mm -hmm. of dogs at that point. Um, Just, you know, try, try to cover... And something like that, I'd try to cover as much ground as possible, kind of almost like I was out west or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, um, uh, I always feel when I ask this question, it, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, reduces the other dogs, but that's not the intention, but, uh, yeah, of I, your, of your lot of dogs, you know, do you, do you have your, your, your go-to dog or the dog that yeah. kind of put food on the table for you? Yeah, that's my my oldest dog, George, for better or for worse, if I, yeah, I, you know, I always tend, even though I should be putting like a younger, more experienced dog down, I'll, I find myself wanting to at least put her down in, in my, my favorite spots, a little the most birds, uh-huh. um, even though I shouldn't be putting a younger dog down. Um, but, it's, you know, sometimes I think you owe it to the older dogs to give them, you know, give them that little bit extra attention. 
but yeah. you also you also have to keep your younger dogs in mind too, and keep them in the birds, or they won't develop in the the dog that you want. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the um, uh, you know, it's pretty pretty commonplace for for hunters to want to run, you know, the young dogs with the old dogs, and um, mm-hmm. uh, for you know, for me, I mean, everybody has their you know what works for them, and uh, for me, I. I usually run my young dogs. I'm also assessing them for breeding uh, in a different mm-hmm. capacity, but I, I, uh, I like to run my young dogs solo until I feel like they, you know, they know their craft really good and, you know, contacts, 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 you know, see what switches turn on. And then when I start to run them with other dogs, have you ever found, you know, you know, I'm sure that you, you know, given the number of times that over the years with the number of dogs you have now that you've, uh, uh, random embraces, uh, you know, I, I call it the rock star syndrome <laughs> where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of I have, <clears throat> have several go-to dogs for sure. If I have to, if I have to, uh, have to pick one, but, um, if I run, uh, if I run, uh, my dog, uh, Dun- if I put my dog Duncan down on the ground and I, and I put one of my uh, first year dogs on the ground, you know, they've been doing really good. You know, I'm really happy with them. All right, let's see how the honoring goes and whatnot. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I have to be very careful that I don't make the hunt all about him, you know? So like, mm-hmm. as soon as that dog is, you know, in scent, you know, on a track or, you know, working on, you know, my, my eyes and everything just gravitate towards that dog and, and games on. And the next thing I know, I got my, my young one, you know, is kind of like on the outskirts. They're working, but, um, uh, my dogs too, they, they, they hung close, they're connected. And, um, I certainly find that, uh, I, I gotta be attentive, uh, you know, to the young dog too, when I'm running uh, with an older dog in a brace like that. And it's just so easy to, to slip into that synergistic mode with your older dog. Um, uh, you know, that I've, I've certainly experienced, um, you know, that, and, and that, uh, you know, I always, I always caution my, uh, uh, people that I hunt with, uh, and, and that, uh, I, I, uh, have pups with, you know, uh, when they were going to run them with their older dogs, uh, you know, to, to be attentive like that, because I, I see so often that, you know, that younger dog all of a sudden is ranging further and checking in less, uh, because I'm following, uh, the older dog more just right. out of, uh, uh, having yeah. a connection you ever you ever have any type of experience like that that you catch yourself yeah um i've i've had i've actually i've i've had the opposite experience one time um my my oldest dog that i have now ruthie that's 11 she was my my ace and then uh georgie my eight-year-old dog now um you know i would run them in a brace and then um Ruthie was the better dog by far, and then about the third year, Georgie was the better dog. Their roles kind of uh-huh. flip flopped. Um, yeah, and then um, I don't know what what did it, but um, when when my 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 younger dog started, you know, becoming the better dog, uh, the older dog started having a lot more unproductive points um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't know if it was like an attention thing, you know, where, like you said, where, you know, you weren't paying attention to the, the young dog and I wasn't, yeah. you know, um, I never did figure it out, but, um, uh, I didn't mean to turn your yeah. question on its head, but 
no, 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 no. That I, I mean, it, yeah, it certainly could be a tension thing. You ever get the, uh, you're back to the truck and loading your gear and the dogs hundred to 200 feet away from the truck on point, you know, and <laughs> they're trying, oh, trying yeah. to keep oh, you in yeah. the woods. Oh, yeah. yeah. All, all the <laughs> so, time. Yep. Yeah. Maybe Ruthie's pulling one of those, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think so. Yeah. And then the problem yep. is you got to go over there because. 30% mm-hmm. of the time, there is a bird there. <laughs> right, yep, you, you won't go over there, or you'll go over there five times, and then one time you don't go over there, there's going to be a bird there. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. They they definitely uh, uh, know how to, know how to work our attention, uh, for sure. Um, well, that's cool. The, um, uh, so for serious grouse hunters, you know, again, everybody's got their own process, and it works differently, you know. For, for me, I always, uh, you know, Setter pups are born, you know, 12 months out of the year and uh, different people will focus on different things. You know, for for me, I I uh, I really like to, to try to have a, a pup be at least six months old, you know, preferably older, but, mm-hmm. you know, six months old or older going into its first season. Um, yeah. uh, do you have anything like for from your experience, what, what you prefer or, you know, if you got a breeding mm-hmm. that you want and, if, you know, you'll just take it when it comes or do you focus on trying to look for something like that and uh when we're when you're looking at your next you know, dog that's that's uh that's i like that question because i you know i never really it's something i never really thought about too much and uh until the last pup i took um it was a late late summer breeding and or she 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 was whelping uh a little bit later than than the pups i had gotten previously so she was only about three months old going into the hunting season and um yeah. if that and uh and just i think i don't think the dogs themselves are slower to develop or maybe they are i don't think it it's not really you know it's not their fault it just you can't really you know work a yeah they're just you know not you know not at the right age to work work them in the woods when when you need them to be so then you kind of sets i think they're about a about a half a year behind yeah, even yeah. I just feel, I just feel of, like of I always just kind of lost. label it as, as like yeah, lost time a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, but I, I mean, my, I always can call my breeding season. You know, I, there's there's exceptions. I mean, sometimes I have an older female that maybe she's towards the end of her breeding career, and you know, it uh, it's, it's important for me to have her on this stud. So, and the heat cycle is not favorable. It might happen then, but you know, eighty percent or more of my breedings i try to have between november and april so they're between you know six to 11 months old going into that first season and mother nature doesn't always comply but i always feel you know if uh if you're able to get that dog the contacts and they're six months old or more um Mm -hmm. you know by the end of october you feel really good about your dog you know or not (laughs) but you know you you feel that you feel that you kind of know where you stand Yeah, you know? I you know I know a lot of people. Uh, you know I've got a lot of a lot of my younger friends that started grouse hunting after me. Will ask me my opinion on that, and I always tell them I don't I don't really mess around with the dog. I don't bring them in the in the grouse woods until until they're at least six months old, and sometimes they do anyway, and sometimes it works out to their favor, and they're you know flicking their nose at me, but uh, you know sometimes they you know. The younger, the younger the dog you introduce to grouse, I mean, it's it's easier for that young dog to pick up mistakes. I think, um, 
and yeah, make bad habits. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it's not every dog, but you know, some dogs it is, and I just yeah. don't, you know, I don't, I don't like to take the chance myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. The, uh, you know, there's, there's just, there's nice ages to be able to turn on those switches and, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, able to have like a functional level of obedience and they're actually big enough to get through some early season vegetation, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I figured, uh, someone that's, you know, even if you have never looked at it that way before, given the number of dogs that you have, um, yeah. I, uh, figured that, you know, you'd, you'd form some opinion based on, you know, right. when you've gotten the ones that you have, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, up, up until this last one, I've always had, they've always, you know, they've always been ready to run in the woods come fall or may, if not, not right at the beginning of the season, you know, at some point, like in October, um, when the, when the woodcock are in, what, what it was with this, this pup I had, um, I think she came in, she was six months old in season, but it was at the very end of the season when I'm sure you know that, I yeah. mean, you can have some good days at the end of the season, but you can also have some really <laughs> long walks. Um, and yeah. I don't, I personally don't like to expose a puppy to that when they're, for, you know, for the first few times in the grouse woods, I like them to have, make it exciting for them and have as many contacts as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't bother really taking her into the, into the, into the grouse woods. So, um, mm-hmm. now I'm kind of playing, playing catch up this year and hopefully, yeah. hopefully it works out. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so what's your, um, uh, what's your personal practice slash belief, um, for, um, running your, running your setters on, uh, you know, grouse uh prior to the season starting um you know i know we have the quiet period in michigan and uh when mm-hmm. do you you know you drop the dog you drop the tailgate and have the dogs out there as soon as the state lets you or do you do you wait a little bit what's your what's your um you know i'm not sure if you have if you have pigeons or other um uh you know released or pen raised birds that you use or just stick with grouse and woodcock. But, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your practice in that respect? You know, that's really, it's a, it's a good question. It's something I never, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, you know, I, used, I when I trained with my grandpa and stuff, it wasn't really something we thought about, um, as being like, a, you know, for the benefit of the birds to leave them alone. Um, I still, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, with my dogs, I'll, I'll let them run, especially if it's my older dogs and I'm just trying to get them into some birds to get them into shape. I don't have a problem running them, you know, early in the, in the season as quick as, as quick as you can. Now I know that they, mm-hmm. they bumped in the head a little bit here in Michigan over the last couple of years. Um, I will say that I have had my dogs point, um, uh, it wouldn't be, what is it, like the, the second week in July now, um, I've had my dogs point grouse that were way too young to fly, um, real fresh broods, real young broods. Yeah. Um, during that period, um, I, you know, I know my, my dogs, you know, didn't try to catch them or anything. Um, and yeah. I know that also the pressure you put on the birds at that time would, uh, you know, a lot of people say that can do stuff to the, to the birds. It can weaken them or whatever, but, um, yeah. you know, I, ideally, you know, there's biologists making these decisions that, 
works for the DNR and stuff like that. So um, you kind of got to, you know, you got to trust their judgment too. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that you're really going to do too much harm um, unless you, you know, you're really going out and getting after it. And you're, you know, if you're getting into a, a lot of young brews, then maybe you should back off a little bit. Um, but, you know, kind of use your better judgment. And, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, I've never had my dogs catch any, any young grouse. And for, for the, for the most part, you know, they're all flying good at that, that time. But, you know, mm-hmm. once in a while, you're going to come across something. Do you experience, um, uh, you know, the the grouse hatch and, uh, you know, is such uh, a weather-dependent experience, right? You know, so, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, all, all across northern Wisconsin, the UP, uh, over the years, man, I've had some amazingly, obviously, predation can, can uh, take its part uh in regards to you know a particular brood you know but uh mm-hmm. you know depending upon when the nest was disrupted and all that kind of stuff but regionally with storms and stuff like that i've just i've been amazed at the uh the the age differences you know um between uh you know a, a you know, overall collectively speaking you know we'll talk maybe in just a you know, the way the crow flies, 30 mile difference, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in, in terms of, uh, geographic locations, you know, uh, where mm-hmm. you swear that some of these birds were, were born, oh, uh, like the, you know, the beginning of August sometimes, uh, and then yeah. you just drive 30 miles from there and, you know, you, you know, you're, you know, you're shooting at like four and a half year old birds, you know, um, right. uh, yeah. you, you, you get that experience, uh, down your way too. Um, I, I knew, um, and, uh, not by us over in the Western UP, you guys have a lot more, the, the soils are quite a bit different where I hunt. It's mm-hmm. a lot of sand. So, mm-hmm. um, that gets rid of the, the, a lot of the, you know, the water really quickly in the spring. Um, but what, what I think really, you know, like I'm actually, you know, I've tried to wrap my head around the whole grouse cycle thing and I'm just when I think I got it figured out, you know, my, my opinion falls on its head. Um, you know, some years I'm, you know, it, for me, it doesn't really seem to happen from area to area. It just seems to happen by year to year when you're going to be into young birds and old birds. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, man, I remember it was like three years ago, I was shooting birds that weren't much bigger than a quail in the middle and the end of yeah. October. Uh, yep. you know, birds that just had pin feathers. Um, but yeah, you yeah, know, no, it can it can vary. Yeah, sure. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, the uh, uh, so you get up north and and hunt much, or uh, you usually stay in northern lower. Um, I usually make make two runs through the UP every year. One in the early part of the season, um, on my way back from out west, and then once later on in the season. Um, I, I, my favorite time to hunt really is, uh, right after the the woodcock, right, maybe at the very end of the woodcock season, but right after the woodcock leave, um, kind uh-huh. of a lot of, uh, the hunters leave and I, I'll make yeah. a trip up through the UP and Western UP and then, uh, out to Minnesota. Um, man, you, you, you know, you hunt the Western UP a lot. Um, that's, 
you're, you're kind of buffered from a lot of the out-of-state hunters because, I mean, if they're going to come there, they have to drive all the way through Wisconsin or Minnesota or all the way through here to get there. So they, you know, a lot of them stop off before they get there. But, uh, man, it gets it gets pretty hammered down here in the northern lower. So I I like to head up that way. You know, and I know they they get their, you know the UP gets its fair share of pressure too, but and sometimes yeah, I mean the know, I mean I it, guess it's I guess there's some similarities in pretty much all the places. You know, everybody looks at take their trips those first three weeks in October. You know, often yeah, um, yeah, you know, so trying to get their fair share. A, I also think that the cover up there um, handles pressure better than our cover does down here. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot more pocket covers and you know there's a you know there are some there's probably people out there thinking oh they're saying oh i hunt down there in the UP and hunt all kinds of stuff but you know i'm I'm generalizing here and there you know there are some sure. vaster covers with a lot of stuff but i mean there's a lot of a lot of smaller pocket covers down here and i mean sometimes i mean especially now that a lot of the mapping software has been in use that you know a lot of these mm-hmm. if, it, if it comes up red on the map you can bet that it's going to look like a parking lot on the weekend so yeah, yeah. Um, that's how it is. that's how it is here in New York. Um, you know, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> you know, obviously we all got to share our public land, but it gets it, it can get sure, frustrating sure. Oh, sometimes yeah. when you drive it. You drive an hour or two one way, and and oh man, I was hoping I'd get there before that guy in the blue Chevy yeah. did today. <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, uh, happens happens for sure. Yeah, the uh, I think um, well, I mean, the one thing grouse all over the country have going for them is that uh, you know most people can't hit them too well so uh <laughs> yeah i know, you know how that goes yeah yeah so there's uh uh the number of birds that uh that me and my dog see and the uh you know limits limits don't get reached too often as you well know <laughs> right you know yeah so um Absolutely. that's cool so um i know uh you get together with some buddies uh you try to get together every year and um uh you've had an opportunity to uh hunt in uh Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh and Michigan, uh you know, lower peninsula and the upper peninsula. So, you know, as far as your lake stakes uh grouse hunting with your setters, um, you know, you say uh, you know, pretty much seen it all and I I mean I hunt mm-hmm. north I hunt uh Wisconsin uh quite a bit and certainly all over the UP um and and have been to minnesota a little bit but um is there any um you know i mean uh good grouse cover in the lake states is good grouse cover but uh any generalizations that uh kind of bouncing around um you know kind of broke it into four regions i guess uh that 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 you've been um uh any differences that that stand out between the birds or the or the habitat or the access um i mean obviously you've been talking about um lower michigan and pocket covers um uh what could you tell us and we've been talking to up but what about uh wisconsin and minnesota uh comparatively speaking from from your experience as a grouse hunter the the you know from my experience wisconsin minnesota and the western up are all pretty similar um as far as the habitat goes um mm-hmm. and i you know i just a lot of people down here say that you know the grouse are easier up there uh they're dumber whatever um you know i don't think that that's any fault of the grouse i just think that they have better better cover up there um so 
the, the, you know, dogs can work them, work them a little bit more, and they're, they're not as, they're just not as pressured. They have, you know, more places to go, uh, a lot, a lot more conifers up there, and I just, I like it better up there. If I could hunt, if I could spend my entire season in, you know, the western UP, Wisconsin, Minnesota, I definitely would. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it, I, I just like the, 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 I, I the like space. the aspect of the, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, there yeah. you go. It, it just seems, everything yeah. seems a little bit more wild up there. Uh, down here, mm-hmm. I mean, you can have, you definitely can see just as many birds down here as you would up there. Um, if you yeah. got the right day, you know, um, but there's something about it, you know, it's, I like it better up there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, uh... as far as, um, you know, I, I like the, the way that Wisconsin and, um, Minnesota may, maybe manage their habitat a little bit better as far as, uh, they don't really have the gems thing going. Uh, they have, I know they have their, uh, grouse enhancement areas but for mm-hmm. my you know we've just been driving along and there'll be a sign on the side of the road and there's, there's not like a parking lot or anything you just kind of and then, you know and it's not just a just an aspen stand like it is here uh you know you kind of park there and you know it's just it's good it's good grouse cover whereas in michigan you know it's almost you know there's every you know everybody looks it up on the on the computer where the gem sites are and you go there and there's like a parking lot and a trail and stuff. And I think that stuff is, it's, it's good for, for younger guys. Um, maybe they're just getting into it or maybe even older people that are kind of on their way out. Um, just for ease of access. But I personally, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. Um, yeah, I, the, uh, the gems, uh, yeah, I think they, I think they, I think they serve their, their purpose. And I think they're probably good for some out of staters too. Um, yeah, of course. If everybody's walking the same trails all day long, uh, <laughs> you know, if I if I had a nickel be for the every first, time some... first one or the last one, yeah. you know, if I had a nickel for every time but, I had uh... somebody from out of state stop me and ask me, you know, I I just got done hunting a gem. I haven't seen a dang thing. Is there anywhere else I can go? But you know, I've also had I've heard people that knew really well in the gem site. So yeah, I don't know. I've, I've yeah. personally never hunted them. I've had a couple spots I used to hunt that got turned into gems, but. Mm-hmm. Know uh, that well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, um, uh, tell us the age range. What's what's your spread on uh, your setters right now that you have? I know you got an old one. I know you got a young one. Um, I I like to keep if if I could, I like to keep them around four or five years apart. Doesn't always uh-huh. work that way. Um, right now, I think I have an my youngest is uh just under it'll she'll be a year old next month. Then I have um. Uh, a three. I have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a eight-year-old, and an eleven-year-old. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a good spread overall. Um, so that's good. yeah, I think it works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. like to have as many dogs uh-huh. as I could, but trust me, you got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my wife's always asked me, "How many do we have now?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, with your setters, um, you know, with, uh, we, we always have, uh, a bunch of different color schemes and some people like lighter dogs. Some people like darker dogs. Some people don't care. Um, mm-hmm. opinions vary across the whole board with, um, 
you know, all that and the reasons why, uh, where do you fall, uh, with that topic? Man, it used to, it used to be something I, I really thought about, but now I just, I kind of pick the, I'm not picking the dog out of the litter. I, I really pick the dog more than the color. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you know, uh, my first center was an orange dog. And I remember when I had that dog, I don't know if you remember, like, uh, at the time there was a few different TV shows on, uh, hunting with Hank and, uh, one mm-hmm. called Doc on point and they had, you know, tricolors. And I'm like, man, I, yep. you know, the next dog I'm going to get is going to be, it's going to be a tricolor. So I ended up getting <laughs> tricolors and then now I'm kind of at the point, you know, my wife wants, uh, she wants me to go back and get another orange dog. You know, I don't have uh-huh. any problem with that, but, um, the, the type of dogs I'm getting right now, it's a lot more uncommon to find an orange dog than it is for like a tricolor or a blue belt. And I think, I mean, you probably sure. know better than I do, but I think the blue is the more dominant gene when it comes to the. Yeah. Black, that. black is uh, dominant, you know, black, black blue, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't really see as many orange, but you know, I, I like the way they all, they all look. Yeah, no, that's, uh, they all look good when they're on point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I I like uh my my most favorite and half my dogs are, are black and white but I like black and white um uh yeah. certainly uh that's my favorite something classic about it. And then my second favorite actually is uh I have one orange belt and Omimi. Um she's a little mm-hmm. 30 pounder and uh uh those two colors yeah. are my favorite. I mean I I don't ever pick necessarily based on color but if if uh if I if I have several colors uh of puppies that uh uh, I can't really fault them personality wise in any ways. Uh, then the the black and white ones stay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now you have a yeah. uh, really interesting that uh, uh, your Chippewa dog. Yes, Chip. Yeah. He's a yeah. He's a, a chestnut, um, dark chestnut. Um, I really actually just uh, yeah. No, he's a he's a popular guy in his looks and pretty. You know, the chestnut these days it's a recessive color and. Um, used to be kind of rare, but it's definitely people really fancy that color. People go crazy for chestnuts. It's it's mm-hmm. quite, quite uh, yeah. It seems like anything but... that's diff- different, people want. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh the chestnut. I have Widget as well. Widget's a uh, chestnut tricolor. Uh, she has a half mm-hmm. mask. Uh, and uh, um, and she's had uh she's had several litters, but the. The only chestnut being recessive, the only time she's ever had a chestnut puppy was when she was actually bred to Chippewa, another chestnut. Um, okay. So it's it's interesting, you know, sometimes the colors are predictable and sometimes they're not. Sure. I had uh, two of my dogs, Azadi and Zingos. Uh, they're both uh, black and whites, very dark dogs. Uh, again, black is dominant and they uh, they threw a litter of uh, black and whites. But Omimi is Azadi's mother, who's the orange belton. Uh, again, which is more of a recessive uh, color, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I have an orange Belton and a, a orange and white patched uh, pup in this pair of uh, two uh, dark uh, black colored dogs. So you know, it's uh, they yeah. can throw you curveballs uh, for sure. <laughs> so never, never, <laughs> never, never, never uh, make reservations on color. That's for right. Sure. I so. imagine that's pretty neat, though. Um, coming from the breeders' aspect, you just kind of you never know what you're going to get until they're born right you know it used to be that I mean, way you, for you me kind of, um, an, I, I, kind of an idea but you know. yeah the at the end of the day you know people go crazy for patches and uh mm-hmm. you know it's uh 
sometimes I wish I bred chocolate labs. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, because people get, people get attached to ones, you know, that they see. And, you know, Mr. Jones wants the one with the, you know, the left eye shiner. And, but Mr. <laughs> Smith got the pick first, you know, so, uh, that happens. Yeah. But, you know, it's all, uh, it's it's all good, you know. the The colors are are interesting, and certainly adds a, an aesthetic to the setter that uh, can be very appealing, you know. Um, you know, when we throw in all all of our other passions about uh, uh, the uplands and stuff. But it's funny, you know, with colors. Uh, I mean, I I I tend to if it's not an orange Belton, I tend to favor and desire darker dogs. But uh, for me, I mean, I you know. Uh, like you, you know, we hunt in thick stuff and there's lots of times where we can't even stand up straight. Um, right. And, uh, I don't know, sometimes I got my whitest dog, you know, 15 feet from me and I can't find it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, color for me has never, as a grouse hunter has never really been a, a thing, you know, it's been more just like the type of dog and how it works. Uh, and that seems to dictate whether or not I can find it <laughs> more than the, right. more than the, the color of the tail set but um uh you know yeah some people prefer the lighter colored ones and other people don't don't mind us curious where you know where if if you drew a line in the sand uh for that um because as you know being a setter guy it, um it, it can become a topic of conversation sure yeah yeah i you know i agree i you know i might you know sometimes i think well i want you know this or that when I'm going in to look at a litter, but when I get there, I just, I'm always drawn to, I seem to always find myself drawn to a dog that's the total opposite and looks to what I, I thought I wanted, you know, at that time, just from <laughs> it's pers a personality standpoint. Yeah. 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 Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm very much gravitated towards the black and whites, but, uh, my wife, I think, uh, sometimes, uh, so she can just tell them apart. She wants a, a variety <laughs> a little bit more, sure. you know? Uh, but yeah. uh, that's cool. Uh, well, uh, Jay, it's been uh, really great uh, talking about uh, grouse hunting and setters with you. If um, if our listeners wanted to check out your artwork um, and uh, support their local setter uh, grouse dog artist, uh, uh, could you tell <laughs> us where they could uh, find you? Uh, the best spot uh, is really on Instagram, um, Upland Low Life on Instagram. Um, if you look me up there, you can get a hold of me right, right through there. And that's usually what I'm on the most, uh, All right. don't really have cool. a website or anything. So. Hey, whatever's working. Uh, so that's great. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So everybody, you're going to check Jay out on, uh, Instagram, uh, Upland Low Life. Uh, Jay, thanks so much, uh, for being our guest today. Um, no problem. it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, everybody, this is Setter Talk. I'm your host, Kyle Warren. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, give your setter a scratch on the head. <laughs>